All right, Mike Check, one, two, one, two. This is your man, Kyle Means, in the building. And I'm I gotta I got someone to introduce you guys to. I'll get into that real soon. But uh just uh right now I'm recording a little something here with the draft. NBA draft is uh, approaching. I guess we're within a half hour of the first pick. Uh the you know, a lot of drama, a lot, a lot of suspense with that first pick, but uh you know, uh, you know, not 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 really a lot of suspense, but uh, it's going to be pretty interesting to see how things play out uh, as we go beyond the obviousness of the first, really two picks. And um, you know, a lot of trades have been coming through already. People are jostling, teams are jostling for the picks after for the for the spots after one and two, and uh, it should be an interesting night, a lot of fun going on here tonight. This is one of the best nights to be an NBA fan because, you know, you can just sit back and no matter how much, whether your team is involved or not, you get to sit back and see the, some of the madness that's going on, all the the wheeling and dealing. And, you know, a lot of people are having their lives changed tonight with these young players. So that's always great to see. And, uh, yeah, definitely the suits are interesting to see as well. But like I said, uh, this is Kyle Means uh, here, and I got with me uh, our man Ian Jackson, who is an intern for uh, We Are Regal Radio War Media uh, this summer. He's just started with us, and uh, he's going to be sitting alongside with me tonight as we do uh, some of our recordings and uh, you know do our other stuff for social media and everything as, uh, you know, like I said, just my my right hand, though he's to the left of me right now. <laughs> but uh, you know, just intern stuff. He's 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 a pretty game guy and he's a pretty positive guy and up for us. So we're glad to have him on. So, you know, Ian, speak to the speak to the people. Let them know uh, what's going on with you. How's it going, everybody? This is Ian Jackson here. Uh, very excited to be working with Kyle and uh, We Are Regal Radio. Uh, spreading my knowledge towards uh, all the uh, events and stuff that is going on throughout the uh, area. And I'm really excited to be looking in on uh, the draft coming up and seeing what picks are going to be made, what trades are going to be going on. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm especially looking forward to uh, what the Bulls are going to be doing because, I mean, that's my go-to team right there. So, I mean, we've been rebuilding a lot. So, hopefully, uh, we make the right moves and hopefully we have a good future going on after this draft. So, it's something to really look forward to. He says he has knowledge, people. We, we're we going to see about that. I think <laughs> he has more opinions than knowledge right now. But, you know, we all, as I think we all do, have more opinions than knowledge. And we, uh, you know, we, we, we're all trying to figure out what, what, especially with the Bulls, you, you, it's hard to really wrap around what they're going to do. Are they going to stay in the seventh spot? Are they going to be another one of these teams that trades? Are they going to trade up? Are they going to trade down? Are they going to do something maybe to get a a veteran presence on their team and, and forego really uh, the college talent that's available to them tonight? Or are they going to sit tight and, and like, like you say, indulge in one of those college talents Maybe maybe take a reach on somebody, or you know maybe the guy that they want will fall down to him. We can't forget that 
the last two years have been pretty decent for the Bulls as far as being in that seventh spot. They picked up two players who foundationally they look to be the the cornerstones of their rebuilding. There have been some reports recently that uh, the Bulls are, you know, when I think when certain players were still available, certain uh, Los Angeles Lakers players were still available mm-hmm. uh, still at that before the big deal with the Pelicans. The Bulls were out there apparently saying that everybody was tradable on the on their roster outside of uh, Wendell Carter and Laurie Marketing, and those are the two players who the Bulls selected in the last two drafts. So maybe through some sort of chance or good fortune, they'll pick up another player tonight who they feel will be a part of this the team's rebuilding to come. You know, we'll we'll see. You know, we'll see. You know, you never know what the Bulls. But if if Ian, if 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 you look at the team, looking at you know being a Bulls fan, following you know their needs and their wants and everything, what would be the ideal thing you would see happen tonight? I would see that, as you said before, they do have their front court of the future in Lloyd Markinen and Wendell Carter Jr. So I would like to see them head towards the potential backcourt of the future because they already have a great player in Zach Levine, who I thought had a great year bouncing off a gruesome injury a year, maybe two years ago when he was still part of the Timberwolves. Yeah, two years. And then um, I would like to see them potentially get a premier point guard who's able to – well, who, who, who was, I say, who, ideal? Who, I would like who to would say either Kobe White or Darius Garland, if both of those guys um, are able to move down towards the Bulls, if the Bulls don't trade up within the next few minutes or so. But if um, things plan out to where the Bulls want uh things to fall towards. I would like to say Kobe White for sure because the way that he was able to basically play offense and defense, be a two-way guard, is definitely what the Bulls need right now because, don't get me wrong, Chris Dunn has been doing his thing, but I prefer him to be more of a bench player because he's a good defense. That goes without saying. Chris Dunn is not a starter. Right, exactly. But so you say if if the Bulls stay at seven, you would have you would have them uh, pick White if he's available, but if they if Garland and White were available, would who would you pick? I would take Darius Garland just yeah. by a little bit because I like Darius Garland's game a little bit more. The way he's able to uh, move without the ball as well to create his shot, as well as yeah. when he gets the ball, he's able to. Uh, find open men and be able to work and facilitate the ball as well. There's a little risk with him because he's only he only played a handful of games. True, he's a fresh, you know, he's a, coming out as a freshman, a one and done guy. But you know, the same thing could be said for Kyrie Irving, and you know, he wound up being a great basketball player. He still has you know kind of some issues though, but mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily uh, equate to what his college experience was. There's some other stuff there, but right. You know, we we'll see how Garland is. I I'm with you as far as Garland being pre- preferable to White, and uh, you know, being a l- little less preferable 
than uh Ja Morant. You know, but Moran is not you no know, Moran is really not gonna figure in, in with the with the Bulls equation because they didn't you know say they didn't finish high enough in the in the lottery. Mm-hmm. But you know, if they if they do pick up either Garland or White, um I could I could see I could be happy with that. They they could at least sell that as okay, this is a young guy, this is a point guard, you know, a pure point guard we're talking about in either case. And this is a guy who we're gonna have, you know, if they're not starting in in the first game of the year in October this of twenty nineteen, they'll should be starting soon after. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the type of thing I wanna see. I wanna see something definitive, something that you know, that uh reflects a certain uh, you know, forward thinking nature, not something where they, like I said, where it seems like they're reaching or they're scrambling to to make something happen, or or that they failed to do something, and this was what they're left to to deal with, you know. So you know, we'll we'll see about that. But as far as you know, let's, let's you know, we'll talk about the Bulls more, of course, later. As we'll we'll we're gonna come back after they pick and talk some more. We we'll, uh we're gonna look to bring our guys Chris Pennon and. Uh, Josh Hicks in over the night. Uh, Chris actually should be coming on in a few minutes. We'll see. And um, right, Josh will come in after uh, when we when we reconvene after the Bulls pick. But uh, looking at the rest of the draft, like we you know we've we've uh, seen the tweets and stuff already flying off. You already got like two three trades that have been made. They've all been made in between the Bulls pick seven. And the top two picks, so I that may not be a that may be kind of a, a first sign that today might not be so great <laughs> for the Bulls because they're looking passive, right. whereas these other teams are coming out like, well, we we're trying to make the best of of this draft. This is this is a two maybe three player draft. We're trying to make the best of it and, and move ourselves up and do something. You know, uh, the Hawks have moved up to the fourth pick, uh, so we can be. Pacific, the Atlanta Hawks moved to the fourth pick. They tri- made a deal with the uh, New Orleans Pelicans, who uh, only had the fourth pick for recently. After they made their their deal with LA to get uh, Anthony, Anthony Davis. Davis, they that's what allowed them to have control of the fourth pick. Now they relinquished their control of that pick to Atlanta, and it's uh, believed by many that Atlanta's looking to get DeAndre Hunter of Virginia who uh, was sort of a trendy pick many had for the Bulls. Uh, You know, there was a possibility people saw him fall down to seven, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen now. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about the Bulls getting a point guard, but Hunter is a player who, as we're looking at some highlights of him now on ESPN. Oh, no, we're looking at – actually, we're looking at at, uh, Zion Williams' highlights of blocking – uh, blocking Hunter, which is uh, that was one of the craziest plays of the college basketball season there. But, but Hunter, you know, outside of getting blocked by uh, Zion, is a pretty good player. He's a, he's a guy who he's a three and D guy. He can shoot the three. He can, he's a very lengthy defender. He can defend multiple positions. He defends on the perimeter, and he's a guy who you know I think work ethic wise would probably fit in real well with this team. And fitting well with uh you know the coaching staff and everything, John Boyle and everything. 
But, uh, you know, I don't know if that would have – I guess if if he was the choice, if he and Kobe White was the choice, I may lean to Hunter at seven because I think that would be good value for him at seven. As you know, but you got you got teams apparently moving up as high as four or five to maybe get him. Mm-hmm. So he's he may not be going unless the Bulls can pull a rabbit out of the hat. He probably won't be available. But that does increase the possibilities of Garland maybe falling out of the top four, and he may fall down to you know six or seven. That's but see that's the thing there. Another team has moved up to six. Uh, originally, the Suns were at six. The Suns uh, famously are in need of a point guard. So they the odds are that Garland wouldn't have fall past them. But the Suns gave up their six pick to Minnesota, who also, we were talking before we got on here, also could be in need of a point guard. But it's not as, it's not as well established as the Suns. You know, so it's like I said, there's this there's this gray hazy position that we're in right now. What will what is Minnesota doing? We gotta figure that out. We may not know that until the pick comes in. So it it'll that's kind of like that, that's kind of what I'm saying about the Bulls as far as you know, you may want to do more to you know take control of your own destiny here. But it seems like you know, it seems like they may not have the the uh, opportunity to do that. They may be stuck in that seventh spot and they may be just taking what falls to them. And that may, God help us, be Cam Reddish. You know, I'm Because <laughs> I agree with you on that because the last time we were aggressive during a draft was when we were going after Lloyd Markin after we traded Jimmy Butler to the Timberwolves in the first place. Right. So that was probably the last time we ever got aggressive for a draft. So I would like. To and see worked, more that worked well. Exactly. And I would like to see more aggressiveness for the Bulls heading into this draft as well. But but if all the deals have been made, I mean I don't know. How many how many more deals can there can there be made in the top six? You've already had two deals made. That's so, true. You know, I don't know. The situation may end up where the Bulls I I just don't I don't know, man. I don't think I just don't think that the Bulls are looking are sitting there looking like, oh man, now's our chance to get Cam Reddish. Like, mm-hmm. and and even if they uh, even if they do do that, they're not going to sell that to the to Chicago. Right. So we're what we're going to have is like a, a, a summer of uh, a frustration, trying to work something out. Yeah, well, yeah, everybody's going to be frustrated. The media's going to be frustrated. The fans going to be frustrated, and it's going to be this negativity swirling around Reddish. And I don't think Reddish really needs that. Don't, or deserves it really, but it's just the position that he would be in, mm-hmm. or the position that whoever whoever they picking that, you know, assuming is Reddish, assuming is whoever it may be, it may be the French guy, the uh, uh, the whatever his name is, but who I, who I actually kind of am kind of intrigued with, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, it, it, it's I'm I'm just I'm just worried that the negativity is gonna out outpace the positivity coming out of tonight and that. We're not going to see, especially now, like I said, with these picks, it doesn't look like the Bulls are going to be in a position to really do do something wild, you know, do a wild type thing tonight. Right. Uh, well, that's going to be tough to see because with these picks coming up, I mean, hopefully the Bulls 
get something uh, right with uh, hopefully get a good point guard and everything so we could potentially contend for at least the eighth spot in the East since the East is like wide open with only just a few teams that are like top tier right now. So it depends on for sure what's going to happen in the draft tonight with these picks and we'll just see where we can go from there and then see what we can do in the offseason. Hope Coach Boylan can figure some things out, work with some contract offers, see if they can try to get some free agents in there with the cash base that we have and see where we can go from there. Yeah, I don't know if people uh, looking to compete for the eighth spot. You know, we, we could have did that. We did that a couple years ago. And True. We could have uh, saved a lot of trouble. You know, kept we could have kept Jimmy around for that. You know, but uh, I don't know. Like like you say though, this can't be the only thing that they do right. over the summer. What they do tonight, they need to do. They need to make some sort of impact on the free agent market. And they're not going to be out there. If, they're not out there mixing it up for the big name players. Certainly, we know that. But there's a lot of talent that's available out there. There's there's some restricted guys who can make a difference who you're going to have to make an offer for. There's some lower class guys who, you know, B and C type guys who could make a difference, you know, point guards or such. You know, people have been a lot of talk back, Patrick Beverly talk and all that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe he would be inspired coming back home to Chicago and, and can do something to, to improve the team and, and fill out that starting point guard spot himself, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe you can do something like go at a Malcolm Brogdon and and take a talent away from the Bucks. Mm-hmm. You know that could I would like to see that uh, if 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 nothing else if, if you know that would that would be something that would make me feel good if they could get a guy like Malcolm Brogdon. Potentially Nikola Mirotic could come back since his stock has risen a lot ever since he's been to the Bucks and played well in the playoffs against the Raptors. You never know if he wants um, to come back. That's yeah. an iffy thing too, but. His stock definitely rose after that, so a lot of people can look at him for free agency. Yeah, other than just the I ain't really thinking about Nick Deacon Emeritus, but yeah, you could you could ride with that one. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, it's yeah, but there's a lot of options out there, you know, and and you know, let, let's just see how. I, I think part of part of what we see the summer is setting the tone, and and that's you know that's going to come with tonight. How are they going to set the tone? For this summer, and um, you know, we'll, we'll, like I said, we'll just see about how that goes. But let, let's look at some of the other teams. You know, I think we, we talked enough about the Bulls. You know, like you know, we know what the first two picks are: mm-hmm. Zion's in New Orleans. Uh, you know, uh, Morant is in in Memphis, and and we know Morant's in Memphis now because they gave up uh, Mike, Mike Conley. Conley. So, you know, what do you think about those two players, these these two apparent studs are going to those two teams? Um, for Zion, for sure, to New Orleans is going to be huge because after the whole Anthony Davis trade to Los Angeles and how Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, and Brandon Ingram are going to um, New Orleans now, plus Zion there is going to be – one is going to be entertaining for Pelicans fans to watch, knowing how Zion himself is a phenomenal player and knowing how uh, Brandon Ingram is trying to improve on his game during the offseason, 
and Lonzo Ball is trying to come back off his injury to make sure that he could produce. And we already know that Josh Hart can produce some minutes off the bench when needed to. So knowing how these guys can form together with Zion is going to be interesting, but for a lot of fans, it's going to be an interesting team to watch throughout the Pelican season. Now, knowing for Memphis now, knowing that John Morant might be the face of Memphis now since Mike Conley's been traded to the Jazz, that's going to add a little bit more pressure to what Ja can do for the Grizzlies. But with him, Jared Jackson Jr., and a young Memphis core, that's going to work out as well to bring that future to Memphis to develop into more wins and uh, trying to get the ball rolling there to, so they could be a dangerous threat as well. Yeah, I think as good as you mentioned, Jaron Jackson, I think when you look at other talents that they that they kind of had, they, I think they brought in uh, the kid Wright uh, uh, from uh, Utah who used to be in uh, Toronto, and they brought in uh, Holiday from the Bulls. Mm-hmm. So I think they got they're, they're trying to do a little something different than what they've done for the past decade. The grit and grind teams, you know, the 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 hustle teams that uh, you know, they just got got by on their effort and their defense. They're trying to do something a little bit more modern now uh, with a team that can pick pick up the ball more and pick up the scoring more. So it'll be interesting to see how that progresses. They still got a lot of time ahead of them. They're giving themselves the time by going with younger players, so I'm I'm definitely I definitely like that both Ja and uh, Zion are going to teams that aren't obvious choices, and then and they're not and they're going to places where they have a lot of they where they could be really invested in the, and where they can really set you know they can really write their own narratives, and they're not following up on some other narrative that, you know, like in LA or New York where we they already have these well-established narratives and they're trying to change something that's been around for years. Right. They're they both can they both can do in their own way define what Memphis basketball is and what New Orleans basketball is. And if they're if they're the guys that who we expect them to be, that could they could really make a difference and make a and and Make some make a, a real impact in the NBA going forward, and it'll be it'll be great to see them do that if if they are up to up to that task. So I'm you know like I said, I'm just I'm glad that they're they're going to be. I, I think it's good that they that they're falling where they are, and, and that the draft is falling where it is, and everything. And you know that we'll see uh, how everything falls out behind it. As we're getting closer to six thirty, I guess in the first pick and everything, everything's gonna be announced real soon. But um, yeah, what well, beyond that, I guess we look at R.J. Barrett. This is the uh, looks to be the lead guy for for the Knicks. But although there was some talk recently of them this week, them working out Garland and uh, Cam Reddish as well. Yeah. You know, they do you do you, what do you think the Knicks are going to do? The Knicks are, see the Knicks are where you know, and, and, and this is fitting. This that's where the draft can get fun by seeing if the Knicks are going to screw themselves or if they're you know, whether what do you think they're going to do? The Knicks have been unpredictable for years when it came to drafts because 
one year, and everybody knows this year, when they drafted Christos Porzingis and then they booed Porzingis straight out of the uh, Barclays Center and everything. And then uh, next thing you know, uh, Porzingis made sure everybody understood what he was doing on the court and recognized his game. So, I mean, everybody from Knicks Nation, they were hoping to get Zion in the beginning, and it didn't turn out well in the lottery. And then now they're at the third pick. So it depends on where the Knicks head's at. I mean, they could go in any direction in order to get the team better because they do have um, a big cap space to get two free agents coming up. So adding along with that third pick, they got to work some stuff out to make sure that the Knicks are a uh, certified contender heading into this coming season. So like, like you said before, I mean, the Knicks are a wild card, so who knows what uh, their heads at, but it's strongly heading towards RJ Barrett. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely looks to be the case. And, uh, as they they're rolling out these players here, Nicholas Claxton. I don't know. I don't think he needs to be in New York, but uh, yeah, they're they're rolling out a bunch of these players who are in New York, uh, and we're about to try to roll out Chris Pennant, who's going to join us right quick before we we uh, sign off for the time being. But uh, yeah, you know. This is this draft night, man. It's pretty fun. There's no Sekou's Dumbuya. Maybe another another sign of the international flavor that the NBA is increasingly putting out there. That's something that uh, Josh Hicks wrote about last week in regards to Toronto's win, you know, and how uh, internationally focused that franchise sort of is. You know, I I I. I, I it's, it's interesting to see Rui Hachimura, another uh, you know kind of changing face in the in the league, a uh, half black, half Japanese dude. You know, hopefully he doesn't do that quablation stuff like Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 interesting to see these young guys and see who uh, who's going to prove themselves and who makes them who uh, you know. And, and and there's also you know that there's players now who are going to be picked tonight who aren't being thought of as much and aren't being as heralded who, you know, who are going to make themselves into something special down the line. You look at Giannis. Giannis was a mid-first-round pick. Nobody really expected much from him. He's just a big, skinny kid mm. with a weird name from Greece. But he's the, he's the likely MVP now. So And then Kawhi Leonard was Kawhi also Leonard, uh, yeah. 15 Overall draft pick to the Spurs in low 2011. Pick. So you got all types of low picks. You know, Jimmy Butler was a low pick in the last pick of the first round. You got, you know, Mr. Irrelevant himself, Isaiah Thomas, and Isaiah, turned out he'd be a big star in Boston at one point. Yeah, he 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 made the most out of his career. Like it's 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 it's, it's amazing. Like you can't count these guys out. You know, the the same stuff that got them here to this point. You know, it's that's what you know. It, it makes a difference in in allowing them to progress as as players going even when they're in the league. Hey, Chris, Chris, 
Looks like Chris is, is going to be in with us for a second here. I'm on, can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you, man. Can you, can you hear me? All right, man. Yeah, yeah. You here with me and uh and Ian Jackson, the intern? We just been talking. We've been talking about a half hour, man, on the on the draft, man. We actually was gonna gonna break out a little bit, uh, you know, until the Bulls until the Bulls are pit. But bef- you know, as as they're still as they're doing this runway thing with the kids now, you know, why don't you give us your your thoughts on on everything right now? And you know, it's been some picks, been some picks. Swapped already, man, and you know uh, it, it, it looks like it's, it's starting to get. You know, we 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 know the first two picks are written in stone, pretty much, maybe even three, you could say, but it could be a lot of wildness after those picks, man. What what do you think about tonight? It's been crazy, and uh, I admit that I haven't been up to. I haven't been on the up to the minute um, news with breaking. I know that, I know that, like you said, there were a couple of picks traded. Um, the Rose traded the number four pick to the Hawks to get the later round draft picks, and then they, they got rid of that Solomon Hill contract. And they didn't get rid of it to the Bulls, so I'm thankful for that. Yes, Yeah, I remember. He was like a real popular guy to get it and then it just dissipated. So. Yeah. And then the Suns tricked TJ Warren earlier today. And then the, the Timberwolves got the number six. And then yeah, what, kinda, I don't know, to me, just because Dario, that's another guy who was such an in factor uh, coming over from Europe. Dario Saric has been moved around twice in the past three seasons, I believe, now. So Saric was in that deal. Yeah. It was the, the number six for Sarge and the number 11. Okay. Who had the number 11? Uh, the Suns. Oh, the Suns. Right. Okay. Right. You're right. right. Suns at six. I'll get in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting, man. So, uh, I guess if you look at it like that, you know, not to, not to delay the Bulls too much, but it, it seems from that that the Suns feel that they've got what they need to make a push. And then maybe, you know, try to work in the West, which is not in the Western Conference with all the moves that have been made. But maybe, they, maybe they're just tired of being the Suns at the bottom of the, of the heat. But taking, going from the number six to the 11 and 32, I think they might feel what they've got, their, their, their makeup going forward. And I, I don't understand why Sarge keeps getting bumped around. I like him. I like his game. I thought he was a great piece for the Sixers. Well, some some players are, are like that. I'm trying to think of some specific examples, but you you can have that sometimes where a guy gets traded a couple times and they you know when they finally settle down with a team, you know that team that settles with them gets to get something flourish with them. I think may, you could maybe say that with like a Tobias Harris. You know when uh finally when he stopped moving around with uh the clip and got on the Clippers, he started to show who he really was, and then you know the Clippers flipped him of course again. But 
you know that that's that sort of thing kind of happens in the NBA. Maybe then maybe this will be the stop where he finally shows his worth. I hope so. Like I said, I like him. I like him as another big man that can pass really well, which is you know it's a point guard dominated league, but the really good teams have a big man who can pass, and that's really going back you know to the days of of Walton and even Chamberlain before that. So that's going to stay more in the NBA. Big man needs to be able to pass it out double teams. Yeah. I I think too. Uh, let's say just. I think too. The Suns maybe they think they're gonna be better, bigger players in the free agent market too than than we think. Maybe, maybe because they're, they're obviously not looking to, to acquire um, high pro, high profile prospects in this year's draft. Yeah, I know people have gone on record uh, from in the media and outside the media. Say that this year's draft is really top heavy, which I don't think we can argue that it is a really top heavy draft. So maybe they're buying the time for next year to really acquire guys. But the Suns, I can't say they have to make a push because they haven't really been on anything concrete since Nash left. But that was nine years ago. So at some point, you're on the, at some point, like the clock is on for everybody. Right. And at some point they're gonna have they're gonna have so much young talent. You can argue that that's starting to be the case now, where it's like, okay, what are we? What are you guys doing with all this talent? That's true. The Bulls worry. I think it should be the, the Timberwolves moving up to number six. Yeah. What What do you think they're gonna? What do you think they're doing? Because me and Ian was talking about that. Like they it, they could use a point guard, I guess, but it's not as obvious as like the Suns. True, but on the, the Timberwolves could use a point guard no matter what. So I would I would suspect them to be takers for Darius Garland if he's on the board. And the we know the Bulls need a point guard. Yeah, I, I'm not. I've never been a big fan of the process drafting the best player available and um, and holding assets. And this Jackson Hayes talk that's run up this past week kind of smacks of that uh, asset uh, acquisition, which is really a fancy, just a fancy way of, of holding too many of the same player. So Hayes would be redundant with Carter, you know, with Carter alone. Never mind Mark and. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So the Bulls are the Bulls have to do some last minute stuff, I think, because I wouldn't be surprised if Garland goes up to Minnesota the way that the trades have gone today. And now, everybody was saying before that that Jared Culver was the guy that they needed to get. But the talk today has been that he might shoot up the draft board a little bit because, again, top-heavy draft. People are, kind of pan- people are kind of panicking after the first two or three picks and really going to bank on other guys who, are, who might be mid-level to be better than they are, I think. I don't know. I, I'll admit that a lot of this is a lot of this is over my head. Just just in the, the speculation, just so much speculation. Right. I'm I mean, still not sold on Colbert. That's that's typical draft stuff, man. And and you know, I I think if you just look at it in a in a general sense, though, I think is is I'm fearing that the Bulls are being left in a position where you know everybody's scrambling for seats and they they're, they're going to be left standing, and you know. 
They they and they may be in a position where they're gonna be stuck at seven and they're just gonna have to pick a guy to pick a guy. And I I don't trust God Packs in that situation at all. I mean, the thing about the last two years is that it seemed like they had a plan. And it seemed like, you know, the two years ago they made their deal and they, they had the they got the guy who was obvious to get it at, at seven. Then last year they had they they came down to two people apparently. It came down to Sexton or Carter. They went and they made their decision. So that's fine. This year I'm like, you know, who who really beyond the top the top two guys are they really that studied on and really that focused on? You know, it's, it's like like I said, it's just it's such it's such a void of 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 the definition beyond. Zion and John is in this draft. It's like it seems like everybody's gonna be picking like picking names out of a hat after them. Well, you know that for all that, there's so much tape and there's so much availability of these guys going back even further than their one year in college. You know? um, if you go back to 30 years ago in '89, you probably had tape on them in college, and maybe you did a little bit in high school, but you weren't expecting guys to be of show off their talents in high school necessarily. Now, you've got, you've got tape on Zion Williamson going back to probably grade school, AAU before he was in high school. So you can't even say that they weren't studied on players um, in the draft because there's so, there's so much tape available. There's so, these organizations are so big. There's somebody studying these guys. And you know that reports cropped up that Gar, Gar Foreman was at Murray State games and they were really, really, really looking at John Moran. So that's out the window, unfortunately, because of the way the draft shook out. It's the way the lottery shook out. But this Jackson Hayes talk lends some credence to your arguments because, again, he would be in a redundancy with Wendell Carter, even with Carter coming off of his injury. It doesn't make any sense that they would be looking to add a guy who... From what I've seen, but a little bit of what I've seen and what I know, does what Carter does to a lesser degree in terms of his defensive IQ. The things that the things that I know about Carter from last year are things that I'm unsure of with Hayes. I know that Carter's defensive acumen is only going to get better. I know that he's got great inst- I know that he's got good instincts. He's a, he can score at a good clip. He's ready to bang with big centers. And at some point, he'll be able to step outside and shoot. And I don't know about that with Jackson Hayes. So the fact that they will be looking at him to any degree of of, of scrutiny uh, uh, leading up to the draft does make me think they might not have a player in place. And more than that, if you get a guy like Jackson Hayes, you're leaving tonight without the guy who he, he might need most with him, and which would be a playmaking point guard who right. can distribute the ball to him and who can push the ball in, in transition to uh, make use of his uh, athleticism and, and uh, length and, and, you know, in, in transition. So it's like, you know, we we still my, – my thing, like I, I mentioned with Ian earlier, I think the, the most I would want – regardless of who they get, I just want to see some sort of definitive progression that's made. And you know I, that could be a lot to ask for with the Bulls, but it, if if this if they can somehow make that happen, 
with this pick or with a, a deal that involves the pick, I would be I I'll be satisfied if not happy. But it, it seems like the yeah time six right you, yeah and and the options are getting low. Yeah, the options are getting low, so it's we'll just have to see how it goes. But uh, you know, you you you'll be good uh, to come back on after the pick. Okay, man, we'll we'll holler at you. Uh, holler at you. We'll probably get Josh on too after the pick. But uh, we're gonna turn the TV back on now. We turn the the sound back on at least, and uh, just uh, watch watch the draft with with everyone else. Fingers crossed, man. I'll be watching too. All right, for sure, man. I'll right, you later. And right, Chris Pennant, how you say, man? Fingers crossed. We're going uh, to lay back, though, and kick, uh, like I said, watch these first picks fly by. Mm-hmm. And about an hour or so, I guess we'll be back on here and uh, talk about just give our reactions to just what uh, has happened with the Bulls and whether they uh, made a pick at seven or made a trade of some sort or whatever. You know, we'll, uh, we'll let y'all know how we feel about it. So, Ian Jackson, the intern is here with me posted up. Kyle yes, Means. We are Regal Radio. War on Anchor. We'll get back at y'all real soon. Alright. Hey, Josh. Hey. Alright, all right, man. Alright. Yeah, sorry about that, man. I was I was just getting the house and trying to get situated when you was telling me when you said you was ready, so Oh, I thought you was already in. Okay, I thought you was already in the house. He was tweeting. But that's cool. I was actually, uh, I was multitasking. So when we was having this meeting, I kind of like not paid attention in the meeting that much. <laughs> I was like watching stuff on my phone. So, yeah, I kind of like multitasked that, that my way out of it. Like, so I can still stay in the loop on everything. Hey, hey, if you got away with it, there's more power to you. But yeah, we uh we just going back on. We we already did a theme, like I said before. We did a theme before the draft, and uh you know we was you know pretty much predicting things, seeing how it goes. But now we know we you know we know how the top picks have gone. We're ten. We're at ten now when the draft is starting to fly by, and uh, the Bulls. No, we know what the Bulls have done. They got Kobe White. They got their point guard of the future, as it as it as it may. And uh, since you haven't spoke yet, Josh, you, you go ahead and set it off, man. What do you think? Man. Oh my God! Of course. Be hard to edit at least. <laughs> right. But um basically my thoughts on the whole thing was it's been a great setup so far, especially for the Bulls. For um we knew that Kobe White would be a guy 
that if all those fails would be a beneficial asset to the Bulls because of the skill set offensively. He provides more than what Chris Dunn has been able has been unable to really do. He can shoot the ball, he can distribute, and he has size. He brings size to an already pretty big backcourt with Levine at the two and Otto Porter at the three. So to have Kobe White with his size and his, and his athleticism paired with the with the Levine and Porter, that's a really good backcourt and frontcourt. Beginning with front frontcourt, not just uh, offensively but defensively. So it's it's a really it was a really good pickup for them, and and you gotta thank you gotta thank uh as we as we say the basketball guys and whoever to put this draft order together because at one point in time we thought both of those point guards were gonna be gone, but the Bulls took advantage of what's about the best player available, and with Colvin being off the board and and um, Darius Garland being off the board, they just had they had to, they got a guy that they trusted, and that was Kobe White. So for them to get that point guard, they. They decided to take action in fulfilling the role that they needed to be filled within the point guard position. Now, thinking of moving forward, the Bulls obviously want to get more veteran players, but now you have to wonder do they get a veteran point guard to aid Kobe White in that backcourt to come off the bench, which is where someone like a Patrick Beverly can actually really fit within this Bulls offense. So you really have to wonder what the next steps are going to be for the Bulls when it comes to potentially signing other players, but really focusing on adding more depth to that backcourt, from a, especially from a point guard position. And you know what? If if whatever Kobe doesn't know about playing defense at this point, he will learn under Pat. And that and that would be that would really be an ideal way to go into the next season, I believe. If you know you could get rid of Dunn. You know, no disrespect you know he tr- he tried his best he and he actually i think improved himself here in chicago but if you can get rid of dunn and come back this come come into this coming season with kobe white and a pat beverly at the point guard position as your one and two no matter how you got whoever's starting whoever's coming off the bench whatever you finally have a team that is being led right in the backcourt again and you got a rotation that is you know that is gonna that you got the beginnings of a great rotation again of players coming off the bench for the Bulls. So I, I really, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I really, yeah, I really do would hope that that could happen. You know, Pat says he, he's he's interested in playing here for the Bulls, and I'm I haven't been you know high on Chicago players coming back to the Bulls as of late, given some of the things that have happened with Rose and uh, you know. Uh, and Jabari and whatnot, but I, I will, I'm kind of endorsing Pat now to come back to Chicago if that happened. But uh, let, let's get, let's get, uh, we got our man Ian here, the intern now. Uh, he, he let, let's get your thoughts right quick on this, on this pick, man. Uh, I'm very ecstatic. Uh, I was watching with you a little bit earlier, Kyle. We were both super excited how Kobe White got over here. And uh, as Josh said before, thank the basketball guys that think came more to, to be and everything like that. And I think with this pick that the Bulls are definitely in the right direction with uh, Kobe White definitely getting a pick and roll option with uh, Wendell Carter when he uh, gets developing onto the court and everything and seeing how things work out. And then uh, when marketing gets healthy as well, things will definitely uh, be looking up for the Bulls right now and Hopefully during uh, the offseason we can get some free agents in there to like 
you said earlier to work with Kobe White to make sure things are in the right order for the Bulls so we can get to where we need to be. Yeah. Yeah, Josh, you know, uh, I, I, I get, like you said, it, it was pretty much a fortunate situation happening here. And I, I was speaking earlier about the past couple of years, and it, and it seemed like the Bulls have worked. They've done some work to help themselves, but they've been fortunate as well with the picks, the Carter and, and marketing picks. It, it makes sense that this happens again. I, you know, I've, I was, you know, remember when when the lottery fell, and we was we was all, you know, going over things at the bar that night. You know, we I was trying to be positive, and you know, it seems like that that positiveness has not been in vain. Yeah, it's it's, it's it was it's really tough because of the fact that for years and years, when it comes to bulls and drafting, especially. Between the post Derrick Rose and the uh, and the pre uh, alpha male era, it's kind of been hit or miss. Um, That's to be true. With you, Jimmy Bowles is a prime example of that. Was he's just a player that we kind of got lucky on. Um, and same with Derrick Rose. Those type of guys that we drafted, we kind of got lucky on because we weren't expected to get the first overall pick. But when we did, we drafted Derrick Rose. When Jimmy Butler came over to the Bulls, no one expected him to be the offensive player that he grew to be. No. And now it's a max level player. Um, having having those people, type of uh, players on the Bulls and having them not really pan out, you really have to question uh, whether or not the future, what the future really held for the specific management that's currently running the Bulls and Garth Foreman and John Paxson. But like I said, when you trade, but like you mentioned, when you traded Jimmy Butler and you got back the package of Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and that seventh pick, which ultimately became a real cornerstone for this rebuild and Laurie marketing. And then you get another second, uh, seventh pick and you draft Wendell. And now you got this pick of drafting Kobe White going for the point guard position. It's a lot of it is on luck, but a lot of it also is on giving, you got to, unfortunately, you got to give Gar Foreman and John Paxson props on picking which <laughs> positions are the best available at the time and how to really strike for what's best. All of them have been safe picks. Yeah, they're ma- yeah, they're maximizing. Yeah. Now you're talking. Now you really elevate the opportunity of possibly really pushing this rebuild to another level with cap space in the summer, to where now you can really add bring extra depth that we really lacked over the past few years. It's, it's a damning position, man. Because like like you say, it it may it may ensure that guard packs are have their jobs for another ten years, but they they've actually done the right things these past three years, and especially when you compare back to like uh, the the draft. What was it? Fourteen, I think. When uh, we could have had, we could have came out the draft with uh, Gary Harris and and uh, Nurkic, but we we leave with Doug McDermott. That type of stupid stuff is what they were known for. Like you said, that dead period in between the alphas and. Uh, and and Derrick Rose, even though you had Butler also in that period, but he was he was such a, a, a out of left field surprise. It wasn't nothing that you could really give them credit for. It was just they got lucky, but they all but they more than that they did stupid things like that McDermott trade. But in these last three years, they have they've moved much more confidently 
as in regards to the draft, not necessarily with uh, uh, free agency, but they've moved confidently, they've moved assuredly, and things have worked out for them. And I, you know, if Kobe White adds to that nucleus with Carter and and marketing to produce a team that could possibly contend again, it's going to be very meaningful, and it, it and it'll be sort of transformative for the legacy of the God Packs administration, you know, for better or worse. Yeah, that's that's true. But aside from the Bulls talk, another team in the East. I know you I know you're gonna talk about I know you're gonna talk about Atlanta, right? Oh, you already know. <laughs> the game came out here and took over this entire draft and built this future of, of this rebuild it really escalated up into another level. For you to get um, the sports overall pick, which took a lot of guts to make with the New Orleans Pelicans because you gave up so much to get that pick. But you get the fourth pick, you draft DeAndre Hunter, who's a safe bet, a very solid two-way defense, uh, two-way player who can, who has a chance to grow offensively, although it may not be at the ceiling of a Jared Culver, it's, still, it, it's good for what Atlanta has to offer and what they currently need right now from an offensive standpoint. He fits the bill, offensively and defensively. And then you draft the big man at Jackson Hayes, who many can say, many can compare as a better Clint Capella type. If you pair him with Trey Young in a pick and roll situation, that could be just as deadly. But the key, to, the key in, uh, with this Atlanta drafting board was when they selected Cam Reddish. Because many people... Over, overlooked Cam and said basically it's because of his performance at Duke he's not going to be the big time player that we thought but we have to consider the fact that Cam Reddish himself was in a tough situation at Duke he was a top three player whom at one point in time was already committing to Duke before Zion and RJ both chimed in Yeah. so yeah. when you are the top guy you think you're going to average 20 points again and be the main guy on offense then you fall for number the one number one option to basically number three playing third wheel, and it's not like the NBA where he's a Clay Thompson type of person where all he has to do is shoot the ball and keep things moving. He needs the ball as well, and for and with his limited touches and trying to make him, they're trying to have him play that top tier role was was very difficult for him. It's kind of hard to do that when you have two players that are averaging over twenty points a game. You look like Josh dropped out. <laughs> you had to keep. Oh boy, this anchor, anchor. Uh, but uh, Josh, let's let's build off of what Josh was talking about. Though he was, he actually was a little mistaken. Um, Jackson, he mentioned Jackson Hayes as part of their hall. Mm-hmm. Jackson Hayes is actually not. Uh, he he actually is uh, standing to go to New Orleans in yep. a trip. Uh, trade, but you know it's, it's a simple enough mistake because there've been so many trades <laughs> exactly. in, in the in the draft tonight. So it's, it's well, we can forgive Josh for that, but at the same time, like for them to come away with three players like that would be an all time great haul in the, oh, in the draft. But as it as it is, to come away with Hunter and Reddish, mm-hmm. especially Reddish in outside of the top ten. I think Reddish could be a steal in this draft so far. Yeah, at that spot. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That's I, I, that's a slick move, Deb. I like that. Mm-hmm. And and like we said, you know, uh, I was I, like I say, reason why I knew was because uh, 
uh, I knew he was going to bring that up because he was sort of telegraphing himself on Twitter. Josh was. And, uh, you know, yeah, Josh is, Josh is, I agree with Josh, man. Atlanta is coming up. And when you look at, you look at the talent they already got in, in there, man, with Trey and, and a developing uh, John Collins. Collins yeah, I mean, Collins. that could be a dangerous team in the Eastern Conference like this coming year or even the year after, at least be at least top four, top five yeah. in the playoffs. And I think they may – they will want to draw – see, like like this past year, I don't know if they're going to have them coming in the next year. Uh, you know, uh, Vince, Vince Carter. I actually would like to see Vince play his last year in Toronto. Mm-hmm. But – uh, they need a, they need at least one or two guys like that of that that veteran type to mix in with those guys and lead them and show them what's up what's what right and but like you said that that team as early as next year could be a can be a competitive team in the Eastern Conference they could be in the mix for those last couple of uh last couple of playoff spots if they if they play right I think they'll play hard enough but we gotta see if they play uh, smart enough. Mm-hmm. But they because they got the talent though, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see if we can get Josh back on. But uh, let, let me just throw it back to you. Uh, we talking about we talking about winners so far in this draft. You know, outside of uh, you know, you say the Bulls won a bit with Kobe, and you know, I think the Hawks maybe get have a, a quite a good narrative for themselves coming out of this draft. Who what else stands out to you about the draft so far? I would say the Washington Wizards with Rui Hashimura because with the athleticism that Rui can bring to the big man spot for Washington that the Wizards haven't got in a very long time could really benefit them because Rui can help space that floor out for the athleticism that John Wall can do taking it to the basket and plus opening it up for Bradley Beal to shoot the three. So with, I think with Rui's help right out the gate could be an impact that Marcin Gortat wasn't able to do as a lot of people, especially Wizards fans were expecting for him to do. Well, I think they do. I think they do different things, but I I can see what you're saying that to have a young guy in the post like that Mm -hmm. makes, it makes a difference for that team, especially given all the the mess that they're dealing with right now with their roster, all the flip over. I think I've, I heard earlier in the day they only have about four or five guys on the roster right now. And, yes, and unlike the Lakers, who have like two top five guys, <laughs> they ain't got top five guys in the, on their roster. But exactly. But we're bringing J- Josh in back in. Hopefully, Josh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cut out there. Uh, you was getting rolling on the on the Atlanta stuff. We was we finished that off, but. It, uh, you could go ahead if you got anything more you want to get across about Atlanta. What 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 you gonna say? I'm, I'm just gonna say Cam Reddish brings another dual threat on the wing. Yeah. Um, you possibly have a potential starting lineup now with Trey Young, who's already electric as is. Yeah, you yeah. Up with John Collins, you have Cam Reddish now and DeAndre Hunter with Jackson Hayes. You're talking. That's a pretty darn good starting five. But Josh. Uh, Hayes uh, is 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 uh, Hayes is gonna be going to uh, New Orleans apparently. That's a that was in a deal, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it make you know. There's been so many deals tonight, you know. Right. So then wait. So so is Cam going? No, Cam's not going over there. It's two, is he? No, no, no. They got Cam. They 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 got Cam and Hunter, but uh, Jackson Hayes. I I think they made the pick for New Orleans. Okay. 
Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, either way it goes, that's a good pick. I mean, Atlanta's set with their two wings. They got remember, they got two good offensive and defensive players, but with Cam Reddish having more of a higher ceiling offensively. Yeah, yeah. He basically fills in for your he basically fills in as your Jared Colbert, in a sense, on your Atlanta Hawks team. So now to have that compared with paired up with Trey Young, who's running who's your Steph Curry-esque type of point guard. Oh man, Atlanta's about to make some noise in the Eastern Conference. They're not—they're not, not going to be the same, you know, bottom-tier team that's barely making it. Like we, like they, like we originally thought they can be. Now they're taking—they're going to take this to a next another level. And even with the Bulls, them drafting Kobe White, if they get the right people around him, especially in that point guard position, they may be making some serious noise too next year, and to potentially, and potentially the big if, but potentially. Taking that extra leap and making the playoffs next year because they were only a few games out of the eighth spot as badly as they were last year. Right. So these these draft moves, especially with the Atlanta Hawks and the Chicago Bulls have made, it really elevated their um their rebuilding process. And we may hear some noise depending on which team takes that extra leap with potential playoff talk in the Eastern Conference now. Yeah, as of right now, I would be and you know this this may be me being the discerning Chicago fan, but I would be more I would be more high on Atlanta as far as their playoff chances next year. But at the same time, like you, like you said, the Bulls didn't do something significant tonight, and I think a lot will depend on what talent, if any, uh, these two teams gain in the free agent market. I I think Atlanta is is would be a great place for some veteran uh, leadership right now and. If I was, if I was, shoot, maybe, maybe even a guy like Horford isn't. He's on the market now. He could go back to Al Horford coming back, coming home. back to Atlanta. Then. They look a lot better than they did when he left. You know, so mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, just throwing that out as an example. But there's other examples out there of of veteran talent. I think that could go on to that team and make a difference and power them to a playoff spot as early as next year. Oh yeah, definitely. That's definitely a good way to think about it. Um, yeah, I'm just excited for what both of those rebuilds have to offer now. The Bulls has the chance, like like you. I'm a concerned Bulls fan as well. I'm not really too high on the Bulls' chances with free agency because we do make some dumb moves in free agency as well as draft picks. Yeah. <laughs> so, and well, well, well my issue, my issue is the guys who are representing us. You know. Um, I'm a little concerned as far as what the Bulls are going to do in free agency aspect, but yeah. Atlanta's ceiling is very high. Atlanta's ceiling is very high for the, for the future, and their future is very bright, especially with all those players. Basically, around the age of 18, 19. Both the Bulls in, in Atlanta are among the, 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 most, the youngest teams in the league. So, that's like I said, that's part of the part of the building structure as well. These They got... They got youthful, energetic players. They got affordable players because you're talking about a lot of people who are still on rookie contracts and stuff. So it's it's definitely a lot to be positive about in both of those camps right now. Yeah, but like you, but like we mentioned and what we talked about before earlier and earlier in this in this uh, segment, it's all about what we do in the offseason. Yeah, between both the Bulls and Atlanta, like you said, Atlanta needs some better leadership. They need, they need someone that brings talent but also brings that positive uh, role model aspect to these young guys. Vince Carter was great for them last year. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to return to them this year, but having a guy like a Vince Carter 
in that locker room would be ideal for this young Atlanta team. And you can tend, you can argue and say the same with the Bulls. Although we thought that the Bulls should have brought him out last year and let him play on a professional, you know, on a playoff team. Robin Lopez was that guy for that for the Bulls. So I'm not saying necessarily bring him back, but bring someone along those lines that can still provide great talent on both ends of the floor, but at the same time serve as the role model, as the mentor for these young players that are coming in on, on the Bulls and Atlanta Hawks rosters. Um, that's going to be very key to help successfully advance that rebuild as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Before we before we get you to go, though, what you know, of course, uh, you know the first the first three picks are all uh, the expected picks that we see. Uh, we look at uh, you know four. You got Hunter who gets in the mix now at Atlanta. Five was Garland. Let, let, let's talk about those picks in particular, the ones right before the Bulls. Garland at five and uh, Culver at six, which really which set up the Bulls being able to get uh, Kobe White. But what do you think about those picks in particular? You got two teams that traded into those spots. I'm I'm really questioning the Garland the Garland pick for Cleveland. I think they they uh, set the role as the Knicks of this year's draft by making that pick. And uh, Culver Culver could be a guy who maybe could replace Wiggins up there in Minnesota. The way they're talking about uh, wanting to get rid of him. So what do you think about those two picks? Yeah, the Cavs were the Knicks of, of previous draft uh, draft years. It, it's just yeah, it's just a bad pick. Garland himself is a great player. I love him as a point guard. Definitely, he's a yeah. double point guard. He's a combo point guard. Someone that can create their own shot and, and really score the ball efficiently, but also great distributor. Has great core vision, especially in pick and roll situations. But the the concept of trying to create a Eastern Conference Portland Trailblazers backcourt. That's very difficult to do because Colin Sexton isn't a scorer. Nope. So Colin Sexton isn't someone that can score or shoot the ball efficiently at a high rate like that. Darius Garland may have the game of a Damian Lillard, but that has that has to develop. Lillard wasn't always that full blown come off the come right into the league scoring twenty five points a game type of player. He had to develop into that over time and take a CJ in the next draft for the regarding the Portland Trailblazers, that was kind of ideal for them because the way CJ's playing now, he's always played that way. He just had to translate that translate that uh, that playing style into the Portland Trailblazers' uh, offense and how it had to work coincidentally with Damian Lillard. Once they finally realized that connection, that's when they started taking the whole other leap into the Portland Trailblazers going into the playoffs year after year after year. The Cleveland Cavaliers don't really have that type of option because they don't have the type of talent to perform at that level. So now you're talking about the Cavs, even though they have a great point guard, Darius Garland, it's going to come a point in time where you have to figure out what you're going to do with Colin Sexton now. Because he can't play the two-guard role. He just can't because he doesn't have a jump shot and he can't score at will like you ideally would want him to do. So you have to question down the line, what are the, what are the Cavs going to do with Colin Sexton. Are they going to make him a starting point guard? Are they going to keep him at point guard or maybe be the backup to Garland? If you try to put him at the, on the court of the Bulls at the same time, good luck because only one of us is going to be physically score the ball and shoot the ball whenever you need him to, while the other one is going to be split, is probably going to struggle, especially with him getting less touches. 
it's going to be a, it's a very difficult situation in Cleveland that you really have to monitor. And I won't be surprised if it doesn't even last that long. Yeah. Now you got to really have to potentially trade Colin Sexton for some pieces or for some cash relief, whatever the case may be, because he's not. I don't think they're going to coincide together in the same deck, or especially with them having two different styles of play that require them to have the ball dominantly to create, not for themselves, but for others as well. As far as Minnesota, I love the pick. I honestly thought they were going to draft Garland or Kobe White, considering the fact that Jeff Teague isn't a long-term option. I think that they would probably draft a point guard now and maybe use Jeff Teague as trade bait at the trade deadline next season to possibly get some pieces that can fit along more of the perimeter perimeter side. But either way it goes, Jared Culver is a safe bet, one of the top, most versatile players in this draft. And his ceiling on the offensive end is very, very high. He can shoot the ball offensively. He can create his own jump shot. And with his versatility, he can guard multiple positions, which can be ideal, especially when you're trying to play small ball, putting him at a stretch four type of lineup and having Carl Anthony Towns at the five. Um, it's a very that's a very safe pick for the Minnesota Timberwolves to go with. And like you said, it really questions the future of Andrew Wiggins. He's, all, he's been popping up in a lot of trade rumors lately. Recently, most recent one, recent one is possibly a three team trade with him and the Cavs and, and the Charlotte uh, Hornets. Don't know if that's going to happen. Um, but it seems like they're trying. Even though they claim that he is safe, he really isn't safe. And they're testing the waters to see what they can really get for Andrew Wiggins. And because of that, having someone to replace that that option in Jerry Colbert is ideal for them. So I, it's a safe pick, and I enjoyed the pick. And I, but although I did think, but although I did think, I did think that Kobe White was going to be going to Minnesota because I thought they were going to handle the point guard situation with the future more looking like Jeff T won't really be there after this after next season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it may be it may turn out that everybody everybody won in in that situation at least uh, in regards to Minnesota and the Bulls, and it, it may turn out that everybody wins in the top seven except for Cleveland, which would be quite hilarious to me if uh, if that's the case. But I like I said, like you you broke down both of those situations well, man. And I, and I think, like, I, I agree with you on the Cleveland stuff. I think that's just going to end badly. Like, one of those players are going to walk or get traded or something. And it, it's, it's a, I think you, you put the, you're putting these guys at a position where they could potentially be at odds and you're going to be stunting both of their growth. And, uh, you know, somebody made a good comparison I saw on Twitter before I jumped off. They, they said it's like having uh, the, uh, it's like having the, the Monte uh, Steph backcourt from uh, though prior to the championships, except that both players are Monte. You know, so <laughs> that's not that's not going to work. That's not going to bring you any titles or any type of uh, winning progression to come. But um, yeah, uh, we gonna we gonna end it on that, man. It looks like Josh just cannot stay on the line with us. Uh, it's it's hard to do this anchor thing. I I love your anchor, but you 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 provide some uh, some problems too from time to time when it comes to recording on the phone. But anyway, though, we gonna probably wrap it up at this point. Uh, we talked quite a bit. 
already and uh you know about halfway through this first round uh but it's been pretty interesting you know the bulls you know looks like they got their guy and they got something to build off of and um you know uh, like i said other players have fallen in interesting spots and uh there's still some talent out there there's uh seku like i said my man seku the frenchman is out there kevin porter bobo this <laughs> is like saying bowl bowl, you know. He he's still out there, you know. It's it's some players still out there. It's interesting. Uh, you you got some of these. You got the playoff teams picking now, so you know you may see a situation now where a playoff team may make a come up with a with a mid to late round guy, and they may find someone who can, uh, you know, add on to a an already good team. So that's. You know, this is still some good stakes out there when it comes to the draft, and uh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna see what it is and probably break it, break it down even further uh, on a later tip. On a, you know, next time I think you hear us with the guys will probably be a running with war situation. Hopefully, we can get all us together in one room and talk some ball. Uh, we definitely gonna want to do that soon as a free agency is just around the corner. And, uh, you know, you got Summer League and all this stuff. And, you know, Chris going to want to talk some WNBA with the Sky. You know, I'm, I'm down with that, too. You know, Sky been playing pretty good. You know? mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, you know, definitely check out Chris's stuff on the Sky, his, his column above the clouds uh, weekly. Check out uh, Josh. You know, I would, I would sign off with Josh, but I ain't going to mess with him no more, at least, uh, at least on, on Anchor tonight. I ain't going to mess with him no more on that. But, uh, you know, in the scope, of course, Josh every week. Uh, and, um, yeah, Ian, you know, he did this piece with us this week on the the soccer showcase, CPS. Uh, show, you know, some kids out there trying to show their talents in front of uh, scouts and coaches and stuff, you know, trying to get to the next level. So we appreciate the work you've been doing so far. We're going to work you even harder over Looking the course of this summer. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. So, uh Definitely look out for Ian, man. He's going to be on our Twitter. He's going to be on our on our Instagram doing stuff, you know, our, our social media channels. And you'll hear him more here on War on Anchor, um, you, know, for, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, talking basketball, talking some other stuff, too. You know, I want to I want to I want you to talk about yourself, too, a little bit. Talk about uh, your your path to becoming an intern with us and stuff. We're going we gonna to get all that stuff over the course of the summer with you. But uh, for now, though, we're going to chill and uh, sign off. And um, I guess uh, watch out for more more great stuff. Uh, One Anchor coming up. Uh, free, should have a Freestyle Friday for you tomorrow. Um, like, you know, you'll listen. You're, if you're listening to this now, you're listening to the end of this this draft special. So, uh, you know, pass, pass the word on if you like what you're hearing. You like the way we broke the stuff down here. Uh, we love to talk about the NBA, and we we'll, uh, when ain't nobody stopping us, so you might as well get on board with us. And uh, yeah, it's like I say, just uh, enjoy your weekend, folks out there. Be safe, be be uh, be positive. Don't be destructive out there. We had too much destructive stuff out here in these streets in Chicago. Let's uh, enjoy this weather, man. As we're finally getting some good weather now, so let's enjoy. The weather and enjoy each other this summer, man. And uh, you know, uh, yeah, keep it bouncing, man. Keep bouncing, 
and uh, keep it keep it on war on anchor. All right.